I'm Hayes Hartwig. This is Bamboo, Vancouver's property management and investment podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. Today on our podcast, we are going to be talking about the stats for rentals in the greater Vancouver area. And on the show, we have Matt, who is one of our other team members from Vancouver Rent It. So without further ado, we'll go through those and um, welcome to the show there, Matt. Thanks for having me. Great. So when, how long have you been in property management? You, you were dual licensed as well, aren't you? Like I'm actually tri, tri-licensed. Tri-licensed. Yes, What's the yes. third one? I didn't even know this. So I've, I've got all three, right? I've got the strata, the rental, and the sales. Um, the rental, the sales license was the first one that I got about five years ago mm-hmm. and then did a little bit of real, real estate sales work. And then about three and a half years ago, transitioned into rentals now, which is kind of what I do full time. So to answer your question, about coming up four years. Okay, that's pretty good. So you have a strata management license. That's correct. Did you do any of that? Because that seems like hell. <laughs> uh, it was an exam that uh, and a course that I signed up for. And then as I was making my way through it, I realized, man, I really don't want to do this for, <laughs> I, I imagine for so. a career. So uh, having said that, you know, um, having all three backgrounds of knowledge is extremely valuable in Vancouver when you're dealing with, you know, real estate of all different sizes and, and being able to navigate through the world of strata and knowing that is is a huge benefit. Absolutely. I could I could definitely see that being a bad one. Look at this. I, I've learned more about you already. It's like a speed date, but different. Yeah. So what we've noticed with the stats have just come out for what month are we in? April. <laughs> um, the one bedrooms in Metro Vancouver have risen $55 uh, on average, of course, uh, to 2263 so the year difference between that from this time last year was 355. Um, this is also the first time that we're breaking the downward trend since starting 2022. Um, the reason why, of course, we're using a one bedroom is because it's a good marker. Obviously, a two bedroom is going to be more and so on and so forth. Uh, what are you seeing out there? Do, you, do, you, do these stats that have aligned? Have you noticed a bit of an uptick on rents or, or what's going on? Yeah, the rents have definitely gone up. Um, people who are advertising online are going to be seeing other um, marketed rental prices, um, but those prices are not often what's achieved. Mm. But you get that trend of everybody seeing that next higher price and wanting to go push the boundary a little bit even harder. So, um, so yeah, I think you said twenty two hundred. Is that right? Yeah, it's gone up to twenty two sixty three. Is the average, of course. You know, there's For all pockets and yeah, if you're talking yeah. like kits to to West Van or whatnot. You know, there's different yeah, pockets, yeah. of course, right? Yeah, there are some specifically in the downtown core there are some one bedrooms that are going for 25 or even up to 29 mm-hmm. i just did one that was at 3100 wow so um it, it totally depends on the type of one bedroom um often in the the more you know wealthy or or areas that you know one bedrooms are significantly higher and people are targeting single occupants so mm-hmm. um you know it, it, it you do have to have a, a higher income and in, in, in order to afford those types of properties absolutely um 
but there is that compounding effect of people seeing a price online and wanting to get even slightly higher than it. So we do have owners and property, you know, different variety of different property owners calling all the time saying, hey, you know, I saw this price online. I should be able to get $100 more for mine since it's mine's nicer, has a nicer view, it's larger, whatever their reason may be. Mm -hmm. But uh, deep down inside, us rental managers who are doing, you know, actively busy in the neighborhood, we know that that price is the very highest point that they're trying to achieve so therefore going even above that as as using as a, a stepping stone you know yeah. it's 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 not justified so that's the difficulty of it is that yes there are all these very high priced places but most of them uh, are actually getting you know negotiated and offers on and sometimes it's rented for a little bit lower than what it's advertised for yeah absolutely that's one of the sort of the tricky parts with it is that there's no MLS. So well, I guess they're starting to put the rentals on the MLS now, but there's no tracked rental price. I mean, it could be advertised for 2,800 and goes for 26, who exactly. knows, right? It, once it comes off of whatever advertising medium, it's gone into the, the ethos. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And often when com when property owners are hiring a company like ourselves um, for the right reasons, for um, a little bit of, uh, physical distance between themselves and the tenants, you know, professional marketing, professional showings. Yeah. Those are the types of owners that are also able to absorb our cost, which mm -hmm. means they're looking for that higher price. It's often the owners that are taking care of their own rentals that'll have a slightly more um, attractive rental price. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, it also comes with some lacks of knowledge sometimes. You, exactly. You, you run it. I, we hear a lot of the horror stories, and I'd venture to say that a fair amount of the horror stories that you hear are self-managed. Correct. And that, because yeah. they just... Frankly, there, don't know the rules. Exactly. There's there's pros and cons for, for owners um, on both sides of the spectrum, mm -hmm. and each will have their own set of outcomes. You know. Yeah, so, yeah. absolutely. So, touching in on the pricing there, the price per square foot, uh, the top three of the top price per square foot is Burnaby at three dollars and eighty eight, Vancouver proper at three eighty, and surprisingly, the least expensive one is West Van at two eighteen. Hmm. Um, do you have any thoughts about that? Uh, the West Vancouver one is probably dragged down by uh, people's uh, suites that are attached to their homes. Yeah, they're not. There's not nearly as many uh, stratified individual condos that will be therefore raising that average. So that so that specific West Vancouver stat will be dragged down by people's basement suites um, by their. You know, additional suites as part of their home that are mortgage helpers, effectively. Yeah, absolutely. It's the size; it gets diluted. There, it's the same thing on the sales side, as you surely know. But yeah. you know, the price per square foot on houses are definitely more diluted than per condo apartment, and even sometimes from a one bedroom to a two bedroom, right? So yeah. The interesting uh, thing that you didn't mention there that I thought you would would be the North Vancouver rentals. Yeah, North Vancouver rentals are, in my opinion, extremely high demand and low supply right now. So shockingly those properties are achieving very very high rental rates mm -hmm. um over the last year i think the north shore has basically developed uh, the same pricing as kind of downtown um and it simply is just due to lack of supply and and a heightened demand especially for one bedroom and two bedroom condos yeah and it, it's strange with, with not surprisingly the most uh product that is on the market currently is apartments leading the way with 77 percent and on the flip side of that houses are only at four percent 
which is a serious squeeze on like the larger older families you know three kids and the dog kind of thing it, it's it's tough if you're looking for a full house in greater vancouver that's correct yeah we just did a showing of a house in west vancouver yesterday or sorry two days ago that was above ambleside beach and uh, it is a, at a higher price point. It's about $9,000 per month. Wow. Normally with that kind of price point, you expect a lot less interest because mm -hmm. you would assume that there's less people looking for that price point. But in fact, it's the opposite. Um, we had a swamped showing. We had probably eight or nine families through, all people who are ex currently already living in West Vancouver looking for a slightly different rental home. Yeah. Um, whereas if I have a two bedroom downtown, which I did just across the street here, you know, I was struggling to get it rented. <laughs> so it's just crazy what type of people are out there and it will always ebb and flow with um, the sales market and also the seasonality of, of the year, right? Yeah, I mean, the lack of inventory definitely has to say. You mentioned it, it ebb and flow with the sales market. For some of our listeners, can you explain that more about how this works? There's there's no golden rule and it, and you know, I've been trying for the past, since I've been in this job to try to to nail down a direct correlation between what happens with the sales market and then therefore what happens with the rental market. And in reality, there is no formula that's correct. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a, a lot of variables. Obviously, we talk about sales, whether homes are listed and actively for sale, but uh, sometimes those prices are insane and maybe the houses won't sell. You know, mortgage rates also heavily affect um, owners' decisions to rent their property or to sell it as well. So there is no formula, unfortunately. Yeah. I've, I've tried to figure it out. I've tried to say, oh, sales are up, therefore rentals will be down. Well, <laughs> no, it doesn't always work that way. Maybe they won't sell and the owner will now be forced to rent. But yeah. if it happened at the beginning of spring and now they're looking for a renter going into Christmas time because the market's been on for sale over the summer, then, you know, it's there's no formula it's it's yeah. very it's it's all of these interesting compounding variables that affect when rental properties are are in high supply or, or low supply and then the demand as well yeah absolutely i mean i i've noticed over the years that there is definitely a correlation currently with the fees of the interest rates being higher it's pushed so many people out of the market and so of course if you want to live in vancouver and you don't own anything obviously the next step would be to rent it. Um, so that is definitely pushed a lot of people out of there trying to purchase, which would normally open up a rental because they've bought something and have since moved on. So that definitely is, is part of it. And, and with the pricing as well, it just pushes people out. And yeah. it, that's sort of the correlation. So like, at least as far as I've seen. Yeah. And, and talking about that correlation, sometimes you have to be very analytical. I'm sure there's people out there that are much more in tune with this type of stuff, but sometimes these correlation, excuse me, correlation <laughs> or causation type things, it will happen months or even years down the line, right? Yeah. For example, people that are purchasing pre-sales today or in the past six months, they're, they, if they're completing on them and they're, their mortgage is going to be through the roof, then that's going to affect the rental rates in two years time Absolutely. when they need to now rent their place for an insane amount of money that they may or may not achieve because no one has a crystal ball, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, yeah, it's too bad that we don't have like that, like perfect silver bullet shot to, to know exactly what it is. It's yeah. a, sort of a, a learned science. It's not, yeah. not an exacting one. Ultimately, one of the funniest things I heard from other realtors is um, the market 
rate for some of these homes is what the market will pay basically yeah and so it's kind of tough to tell someone that because they're like oh well you're the professional you should tell me what the price is it's like look we can always start at what we think is a reasonable price or slightly higher but ultimately if i'm not getting any calls or any texts any inquiries about your property then the price is too high right but sometimes you won't know that until you start testing the market sometimes um, you'll have a lot of comparables in an area and sometimes you'll have no comparables so you are either working yourself in amongst what's available in the market or you're setting the price of the market if you're the only listing in that area. Oh, absolutely. There's a quote that I, I had from another realtor actually that said that the, the market may be cruel, but it doesn't lie. <laughs> so that's that's long, exactly what you're talking about there. Yeah. Um, with the active units that are on the market of that 77 uh, apartments there, it's almost half-half. There's 39% for one bed and 45% for the two bed that are the current active listings across, you know, KGG, live.rent, Craigslist, and so on and so forth. Um, some belief is that it's from students going home. What are you thinking? Like, do you, you've obviously have more two bedrooms available as well, or? Yeah, one bedrooms are definitely easier for people to rent. They, people are much more um, flexible. Um, they're much more willing to sign on the dotted line and get those rentals done. There's definitely, uh, it's a faster process to get a one bedroom place rented. Two bedrooms in Vancouver, you're dealing with either um, professional couples um, mm -hmm. with slightly higher income or you're dealing with a roommate situation um, with two people that are, you know, joining incomes in order to afford a two bedroom. Um, yeah, generally two bedrooms just take a little bit longer to rent, probably about a... Um, I probably estimate maybe twice as long as a, as a one bedroom. Mm -hmm. uh, one bedrooms are a lot easier to price because uh, there's a lot more apples to apples kind of comparisons. Yeah. Two bedrooms, you start to get uh, a variety of different styles of tenancies mm -hmm. and owners need to be a little bit aware of, of what type of tenancy they're going to be entertaining if they do purchase a two bedroom rather than a one bedroom. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the two bedrooms are obviously better on the resale side. So I think that's why a lot of the old mentality is to try to get the two bedroom over the one bedroom if you have your choice. Yeah. Um, it's interesting that you say as well that the two bedrooms take longer to rent because I've noticed the same thing that the larger the product, the harder it is to rent. So yeah. like the houses take even longer than the condos. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's interesting. It's almost like, like driving a big truck or something, you know, it's a little bit more slower, a little bit different to get it to change course. Yeah. So. In terms of, uh, in terms of potential for headache or being able to sleep at night. Um, we'll, we'll call it that. Um, <laughs> one, one bedrooms generally are, are safer investment properties. Yeah. Um, you're going to sleep easier at night. Um, you're not relying on two different occupants for rent. You're not potentially having a roommate move out and some other third party that you don't know move in. Um, it's easier to qualify tenants in terms of their income level and how much they're paying on rent. Mm -hmm. um, the property is going to receive less wear and tear, hopefully, because it's physically smaller and you've got less animals living in a in, under under a roof so to speak yeah um so yeah one bedrooms are generally slightly less headache ge generally <laughs> so speaking of headaches since we've been having a couple of things that we had to be dealing with with bri and all that down there what are your thoughts on furnished versus unfurnished um we we, we noticed that typically in the summer months there's less furnished units for long-term rental because they're generally going back towards airbnb yeah. but overall what are your thoughts? Like, do you think it's a better idea to have your place furnished or not? Well, I think the important thing to 
first clarify is that there are almost two different styles of furnished properties. There's something that I like to call a fully furnished property, meaning it includes absolutely everything so that when you arrive at the airport with your suitcase, you can walk in the front door and everything will be there for you. We're talking plates and bowls and linens and towels and olive oil and salt and pepper, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Fully furnished properties um, obviously target a very specific uh, group of people. Mm -hmm. They're often for much shorter periods, right? One, three, or even six months, depending if the building allows it. And then the other style is like what we call like a partially furnished property where uh, an owner is basically leaving behind much larger items of furniture. Um, and then the tenant is uh, welcome to make a house their home in their own way by adding their own accents, their own um, having their own um, day to day items in terms of like appliances and bowls and plates and okay. linens and all those yeah, things. Yeah. So there, it's almost two different kind of product. Um, they are diff more difficult to rent you're much more likely to suffer vacant months, which um, people don't like to hear. Um, <laughs> but sometimes the vacant months can be made up for by a significantly higher rental rate. Yeah. Generally speaking, I'd say about 90% of the people that I work for, um, they get turned away from doing a furnished rental. Mm -hmm. The amount of months that you could potentially suffer as a, as a you know, in terms of vacancy as a lost, lost rental income, you'll, you'll never receive that money back from the potentially 10 or 20% extra rent that you're going to get for the property. Yeah. So to do a furnished rental correctly, you need to be willing to do much shorter term and you need to be potentially uh, entertaining the, the Airbnb or VRBO vacation rental kind of route. Mm -hmm. If you're going to go for a slightly longer furnished term rental, then it's, it's it can be better to do it as partially furnished rental, but you need to be negotiable and flexible with your furnishings. You know, there are all different types of people, culture, ages, you know, some people will never want to sleep on your old mattress. Some yeah. <laughs> people may have back issues. Some people may want to turn the office into a nursery. Some people may want to turn the office into a room for their Peloton. Like they, they, there's so much um, difference in, in styles of living and yeah. with furnished furnished living uh, with furnished rentals, you're trying to force them to live <laughs> the way that you've set up the apartment, which is. Uh, often does not produce um, the results that owners want. Yeah, I mean, I think it's also, you're kind of running a risk on that as well. And the fact that like, even you and I, our, our styles of what we think looks nice and doesn't look nice are going to be different. Yeah. So now you add to somebody who's fresh to Canada, totally different culture. Yeah. They may think that your style and your furniture are just god awful. Exactly. <laughs> so I mean, that's again, another, you're again, narrowing down your market as to who you're dealing with. Yeah. And, and yeah, it, it's it's generally and a lot of the thing that I find as well, and I don't know if you've run into this, is owners get surprised that their furniture doesn't come back perfect the way exactly. they left it. Like it's not frozen in time. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, to, you're totally right here. So yeah, exactly. You know, furnished rentals are glorified hotel rooms. Mm -hmm. um, you cannot promise that their nice couch is not going to come back with a wine stain on it. Um, you know, the easiest the, the saying that I like to say is you, you let a, a tenant make a house their home. Mm -hmm. as in they bring in their own items, they're much more likely to treat it with respect and stay for a long time. One of the things that's interesting as well is that just this past week, our premier rolled out that they're planning to further regulate short-term rentals, i.e. Airbnb, VRBO, et cetera. And they're having a possible cutoff for the amount of licenses. Mm -hmm. So do you think that's going to help or hurt? Or what? what's your thoughts on that as far as for the... You're talking about business licenses, right? Yeah, the business licenses for short term that they're thinking about having a cutoff which means not everyone's going to be able to do it do you think this is going to bring more into the actual rental or are people going to just 
sell it because they're no longer making these crazy amounts of money they are in some cases for the well the business license thing is interesting because it's only for the city of vancouver is that correct correct yeah yeah so you know most people that run these rentals anyway don't have a business license anyway (laughs) probably for you know out of 100 properties that we take care of maybe only five of them have a business license anyway Mm -hmm. so for the city to apply some type of constraint on licenses i don't think it's actually going to affect anything right yeah you think it's basically more more for show than go exactly people will do what they need to do in order to pay the bills right yeah exactly and the city of vancouver does not have enough personnel to be knocking on every door to make sure that they have a business license for their short-term rental yeah abso- absolutely yeah. there um which is also interesting because the most expensive cities in canada right now uh we take the top four so thank you markham ontario for taking fifth spot uh west van is the most expensive which we kind of touched on that the mostly detached houses giant ones at that matter followed by vancouver property and north van and then burnaby Burnaby seems to always be coming up here. I think it's probably because of all the new developments. Everyone wants top dollar for the brand new apartments that they just collected. Yeah. So I've just noticed that Burnaby always seems to be like just in the mix, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, in reality, it's the cl- it's one of the closest kind of um, metro cores that's not Vancouver, that's close to Vancouver, right? And it's not the North Shore. So we're kind of geographically locked in here, right? Yeah. So it does make sense that that's the next area that will explode uh brentwood and metrotown i feel are, are the next kind of spots yeah well it's kind of interesting because like brentwood never used to be anything exactly. and now metrotown was always the crown and now it seems like brentwood is it's putting up a pretty big fight <laughs> with yeah. metrotown I, I i think for probably for next month i'm going to look more into uh seeing just how close they are because i would almost venture to guess that brentwood is probably running higher than metrotown right now um, yep. just simply for the number of buildings that like it seems like every time you come down highway one there's another one that just popped up overnight it's it's kind of nuts yeah, yeah, yeah. so i i think that i william don't write me down but i'm thinking that brent will be higher than metro town but we'll find out next month when I, when we go through all those stats and that because obviously i don't have them prepared right now yeah. <laughs> one of the trends that has been happening though is noticing more tenants that are applying are over the age of 35 and a lot of the stats have been showing that as well uh the belief possibly that the boomers are cashing out and you know they're tired they're they're done mowing lawns and stuff the kids are all out of the house they don't need that four bedroom house anymore so the one that they bought 25 30 years ago they can collect that cool million and just retire a bit yeah Um, have you been noticing this trend as well or a little bit yeah there's definitely for empty nesters, there's mm-hmm. less incentive to jump right back into the market if you're downsizing. Yeah. Um, if you want flexibility in life, you want flexibility in terms of the way the world is going to shape out in the next two or three years. It might not be smart to dump all your cash into the next property. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you're totally right. There's a lot of renters out there, especially in North Shore, um, generally, again, wealthier neighborhoods yeah. um, where empty nesters can, you know, sell their home and then find a rental for the foreseeable future, whether that's one to two or even three years. Um, just to give themselves flexibility, right? Yeah, they, absolutely. They, they want to travel. They, they, you know, they've already done so well on their investment, you know, um, in Vancouver that there's no need to then take that cash and and take the risk again, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And speaking of cash, the criteria for the income in most places in Canada is about thirty percent. Obviously, we're in Vancouver, and <laughs> that ain't gonna fly down here. So, 
for your screening process i mean obviously it's not only income but like what are some of the items that you look at for when you're screening i mean obviously we don't have to get there's tons and as i said in the previous show earlier that uh we probably could do an entire show on on screening process (laughs) but what are some of like the key ones that you sort of make sure that the major ones that you need to see i mean the first and most important thing is income um, if a tenant has high income, um, they're not going to be, you know, struggling to pay rent, struggling to deal with issues in the home that may pop up that they don't foresee. Mm-hmm. Um, the second thing is what I consider to be like a gut feeling or, or, or a mutual respect and mutual communication. And that can be achieved in a variety of different ways. Obviously, we're looking for landlord um, references. We're looking for character references, employment references and stuff like that. But ultimately, um, what takes precedent is this is this gut feeling. And this gut feeling is why you do hire a property manager because we have a lot of experience meeting a variety of different people. So, for example, we could have someone who on paper has very high income, you know, everything checks out. But uh, if they're, you know, disrespectful in communication, not timely with their appointment for viewing a property um, um, and just generally not showing the type of communication that you want as a, you know, when you're having a landlord tenant relationship. Yeah. And that ultimately is the biggest red flag. Mm-hmm. Um and, and it's shocking to hear that, right? Because you would expect that income level or landlord reference is more important. But ultimately, if you don't have a working relationship with the person that's about to take the keys to a million or $4 million home, <laughs> you're, 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 it's a recipe for disaster, right? So it's about creating a, a, a clear communication and, and expectation of communication between the landlord and tenant. Um, obviously, those other aspects are extremely important. Income, references, uh, landlord reference, all of those types of things. Yeah. Um, but the first hurdle is can you have clear accurate communication with this person yeah which actually is a pretty good tip for any of the tenants too um i'm sure that we have a few tenants listening to our show uh but yeah communication is a huge thing the amount of times that you'll have a, a tenant apply and then ask you what the address is and it's yeah. like guy it's the first it, line on the ad that you applied to exactly it's it's <laughs> like it's a little bit of a job interview process mm-hmm. you need to put your best foot forward um and we are looking to make quick and accurate judgments about people in, yeah. in, in a safe and, and um, you know risk-free kind of manner. So the tenant needs to understand that we're trying to understand as much about them as possible without being too intrusive, obviously, um, in order to try and make an educated decision to try and you know get the place rented. Yeah, absolutely. I I, I tell a lot of our clients that it sort of draw on my my past history of being a poker dealer and poker room supervisors. Like I. We watch people all the time. Like a lot of our job is mostly watching people yeah. <laughs> and how, yeah. how they act and how they behave, even in that short time of a showing. So it's like, just gotta, yeah, you gotta listen to your belly. It's a, it's a huge thing, right? Exactly. So that being said, with the tenants coming in, uh, a lot of people in Vancouver have pets. And so I did a, a quick search just through Craigslist for the greater Vancouver area. So the total number is 6,373 for the greater Vancouver area there. And as soon as we allowed pets, it dropped to 1,679. Like that is a massive drop. One sixth approximately, right? Exactly, right? And so like that's supply and demand right there. And I mean, obviously if you're allowing for pets, you can kind of command a little bit of a higher rent, which I mean, I own a dog, it's beside us here, right? (laughs) But uh, um, I can understand how it'd be frustrating for those with pets, but that being said, of course, uh, there is 
added wear and tear that can happen, not all the time, but yeah. what are your thoughts as far as pets? Like if an owner asks you, should I allow pets or should I not? Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on that? I often will follow my client's instructions. Mm-hmm. Um, depending on age and culture, there's a lot of different opinions towards pets. I have a dog myself. I, I love animals. I try to um, convince a lot of people to, 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 to do a pets friendly mm-hmm. rental. Um, tenants with pets can often be some of the best tenants out there. They're very responsible people. They're looking after a whole other animal, so to speak. So they do have to have their ducks in an order. Um, they also have to give another half month's pet deposit, which is very useful sometimes just to have a little bit more financial security for a property. Yeah, no pet ducks though, right? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, ultimately, um, it, it is up to the owner. All, yeah. The flooring also can have kind of a, an effect on it too in the, the style of property. Oh, um, a lot of these new apartments will have some type of laminate flooring or engineered flooring and, and you know, claws or dog, you know, pet, pet uh, running around is not going to scratch up the floor as much. Now, obviously, if you've got gorgeous oak hardwood floors from, yeah. you know, the mid-2000s or the 90s. when yeah, engineered... shred that up, man. <laughs> exactly. So so there is, there is some legitimacy between you know, behind not allowing a pet. Um, and then also there are certain buildings in Vancouver that are still no pets buildings, obviously. So you yeah. must fall within the strata bylaws. Um, interestingly enough, with that statistic that you gave, it was around 6,000 to, to 1,600. Yeah. I, I would estimate probably about another 25% of the people who said no pets. Mm-hmm. If you were the right person, got in front of them, made a good case and were you know, personable, they, they would say, oh, sure, whatever. I'll allow your little dog or cat or whatever like that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, you see that as well with the, any landlord. Like if you have the choice between this great tenant that just happens to have a dog or no rent. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> suddenly that dog doesn't seem like such a big problem anymore. Exactly. <laughs> right? And it sounds like the city of Vancouver, again, specific to the city of Vancouver, mm-hmm. not the other areas. It sounds like they're going to be changing the rules regarding pets. Uh, in the next little while here. Yeah, the only problem with that is that it's going to still challenge with the act. So we'll have to see the act will trump the city. So yes. the act needs to change eventually. And that that's going to be a, an interesting battle. Back east in Toronto, of course, they can't restrict for pets. Yeah. Um, so we'll we'll see how this, how this plays out. I'm sure there'll be a fair amount of pushback. I agree, um, yeah. My personal views on it is I think that having uh, owners with pets currently in our current climate is a good idea simply for the fact that because as we've just shown on the stat there is so few places so once they get in they don't want to move again because it's so hard to find one so that in turn i find does bring the better tenant like you're saying because they don't want to get kicked out they want to keep everything right and tight and clean (laughs) right yeah i totally agree yeah Yeah. so I, i i my personal thing is that i think that people should try to go for pets but obviously it's whatever an owner wants of course but i think that there's some bad press if you will people are always worried about you know the, oh the dog's going to destroy the place and it's like it's the, not uh, always that case i mean maybe a puppy but i um you know we, we have all these little sayings in real estate and one of the other ones for pets is uh you know there is such thing as a pet deposit but there's no such thing as a toddler deposit <laughs> and um you know two-year-olds three-year-olds four-year-old children with a sharpie or some crayons they will absolutely do more wear and tear on your property than than a well-trained pet will oh absolutely um so yeah <laughs> there's no such thing as a toddler deposit no 
No, there is not. <laughs> Excellent. Well, that's uh, getting close to pretty much all the time we have. If someone's trying to get a hold of you for property management or some more insight on uh, rentals in general, <laughs> or well, maybe even Strata, um, how can they get a hold of you? Yeah, check out VancouverRentIt.com, which is our website, or you're more than welcome to reach out to me directly. It's Matt at VancouverRentIt.com, and uh, happy to uh, discuss rental properties. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for coming on the show, and thank you, everyone, for tuning in. If you found anything useful from this podcast, please be sure to like and subscribe and tell your friends about us. This has been Bamboo, Vancouver's property management and investment podcast. Hey.